You're listening to the Ghouls Gang podcast and I'm your host Zoe. So today we are going to be discussing nothing other than April's monthly theme which is vampires. I am joined by the wonderful Iona Smith to talk about a film that I really really love. Um, I was very excited when she chose it which is none other than Let the Right One In. So let's get into our discussion with Iona. Iona, hello, how are you? Hi, I'm really good, thanks, how are you? I'm doing well, I'm glad that it's uh, midweek, mid, yeah, midpoint through the week and we're nearly at the weekend. Oh, thank goodness for that, yeah, I've, got, uh, I've got my caffeine with me ready to fuel me for the rest of the week, <laughs> so hopefully I can survive, we'll see. Yeah, I feel like um, nothing is possible without caffeine, I think today I had like probably about five cups which is well over i think what you meant to have in the daily daily limit oh yeah no i uh i'm known in the office for functioning on caffeine and anxiety so it's kind <laughs> of like my thing now <laughs> i feel like that would be like a great um name for a tv show like caffeine and anxiety or like a really bad pop punk uh like naughties band as well yeah, that would also, do you know what, that would also be very cool. Um, lots of <laughs> ideas thrown around here. Well, there's lots of cool ideas there, but let's get into what we are going to be discussing today, which is not just um, our elevator pitches for TV shows and pop punk bands, unfortunately, that may be a spin-off episode at some point. Um, but today we are going to be talking about none other than Let the Right One In, so, do you want to start by giving us a bit of a quick synopsis of the film? Yeah, sure thing. Uh, so, Let the Right One In is a romance story between two kids who are kind of outcasts for their own reasons. Um, the first one is Oscar, who is a kind of quiet know-it-all. He gets relentlessly bullied at school. Um, the other one is Illy, who is a vampire who looks like a preteen and has definitely been 12 for way too long. Um, together, like, they fall in love, they get revenge, they stand against, like, societal pressures, and they basically completely disregard the feelings and emotions of all of the adults concerned around them. <laughs> I love that you added that bit, because, um, yeah, oh. there's there's not much there's not much care about the adults, really, is there? They've got such a disregard for them. Like, I'll, I'll get into it later, I promise, but I feel so bad for Oscar's mum. <laughs> Okay, I'm very excited to hear more about <laughs> about this, <laughs> the, about the unruly children um, that are in this film. So you obviously chose this for our vampire theme of the month. I want to know, why did you choose this particular film? So this is definitely my favourite vampire film, like, of all time. I mean, I love, I love the classic, obviously. Like... I remember seeing like Nosferatu and stuff like that for the first time and they were all phenomenal but this one just kind of struck a chord as soon as I found out the story um oh sorry <laughs> um I, I I fell in with the story straight away um because I actually studied the book when I was in school okay um I did English lit and my teacher kind of let us have free reign on what books we chose to write about. So I was doing a piece on female female identity and voices. And for some reason, I was able to persuade her to let me do The Handmaid's Tale, which is obviously quite a classic choice. Yeah. Um, Perfume, which, Ooh. if you know that story, is quite, quite, dark. quite a good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then, uh, I yeah, let the white one in uh, was, my, was my choice. So I kind of looked at it from a perspective of, uh, women in different situations so like woman as the victim woman as the persecuted kind of uh woman as a, a mix as well yeah um, and then i learned about the film fell in love with the versions of the characters on screen and that was that like I, I think i'll go back to this film probably at least once a year like it's one of those ones okay. i'm just always re-watching like it's yeah it's, it's one of my favorites 
I mean, I I love the fact that um, your teacher let you cover those kinds of books because I feel like a, I feel like a lot of teachers are quite, especially when it, when it comes to like English literature, they're kind of like, no, no, let's do the classics. And I like that mm-hmm. you were allowed to go somewhat quite dark. Um, and I'm sure oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we'll come into the the book a bit more because I've actually not read the book, but I've read up online of the book um and i do need to read it but it is yeah it's an amazing film i mean i can absolutely see why you revisit it every year i actually hadn't revisited it since the first time i ever watched it and i just remembered oh, wow loving it and then i watched it um i showed my boyfriend it as well and he's he's particular with horror he's not a big horror fan um and he watched this and he was like when I, well, I mean, in the first five minutes, he was like, no, I'm not going to like this. And then when it got into it, it was like, oh, now this is different. Because it's it, it's a bit of a different vampire story, right, to to what we're used to seeing, I think. No, I think it's... I think the different elements of things like romance and the kind of coming-of-age story, all that kind of stuff, really is actually the main focus Mm. Um, like the horror is almost kind of secondary to all of the other stuff and all of the other themes that you get involved in. Um, and I mean, I know we have the whole vampire love story and other things like Twilight and stuff like that, but that is perhaps not my kind of jam. Like, this is definitely more <laughs> on my street in terms of, in terms of the darkness and in yeah. terms of the, the general storylines relating more to kind of the horrific side. Of, of being a teenager and finding those people like finding your people i think is like a really key thing in this yeah it's definitely it's like you said it's it's not your average right it's certainly not twilight um and whilst i i mean i not gonna lie i am a fan of twilight which i'm not ashamed to admit i love a sparkly vampire i'm gonna put that out there love a bit of glitz that's that's absolutely fair enough (laughs) (laughs) i feel like i might have to cut this bit out um got reputation (laughs) to keep you know in a horror world but no you're right like it is really about like finding your people and kind of you know being an outsider and a misfit and not really fitting into the world and i think you know vampires are a perfect like representation of you know feeling um kind of outside of of your peers for instance and you know vampires are often quite isolated and and lonely characters which we we see in um we see an Oscar and he's he's obviously he's not a vampire, um, but we see that the fact that he's being bullied, he's very lonely. He seems completely isolated because I guess he's he's a little bit different to what you would typically expect, I suppose, from a 12 year old boy. He's a little bit more effeminate. He's quite quiet. He's quite shy. Um, and of course, he's he's being bullied as well, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think. Being a kid is hard enough without the situation that he's in. Yeah. Like, at that age, like, be, like it's, it's like that tweeny, teeny kind of age where it's like you, you're growing up, you've got all those hormones, you're not really sure who you are yet. And then poor Oscar is completely isolated because he's, like you said, a little bit different. He's a bit of a know-it-all. He has an odd fascination with crime and serial killers and things like that from his like little scrap that he keeps and I think being that weird kid I think a lot of people can relate to that like I mean I know I think you can I was definitely the weird kid at school so seeing that and being like oh bless him like he just needs a friend like just get him a friend and then obviously he meets he he meets early and it's like that that's the beginning of a beautiful friendship leading into a beautiful love story yeah and he is in you know i resonated with him too i was like you know it's so easy to see i mean i feel like i'm still the weird kid you know at work i'm like oh I'm, yeah i just listened to some serial killer podcasts at the weekend people are like oh right okay you're, th- you're that kind of person and then and it does <laughs> it does end up you know you kind of do search for 
that person where they love the same things and they're not weirded out by maybe the things that you talk about you know I think one of the things we've mentioned at Ghouls isn't it is like finding each other and being like oh it's all right to talk about going oh I watched this scene and someone's beheaded and I loved it like no one is going "Mm, that makes you that's like uncomfortable and I love I just love like the meeting um of Ely and Oscar it's in such a like a natural and an innocent way as well and I think it's really interesting to see how it kind of like you said blossoms into a love story because even though it's a love story like I think it's easy to forget when you look at these two characters that um obviously we'll come on to a bit more about Eli but uh Ely but it's clear to see like they're still children yeah I think it's because of Ely's appearance as well, it is mm. hard to, to, to remember that she has been this age for so long. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, she is a 12-year-old, but she has been a 12-year-old for who knows how long. But she still seems to have mentality of a child, which must be really difficult for her because, obviously, not being able to mentally mature or being able to, to like, physically grow into the person that, that she could be and I guess kind of that bond with Oscar and finding that kind of childish innocent romance is almost a way for her to cope with the fact that she's going to be like this forever like finding a fellow person of that age just to kind of go hey like we're the same we're both slight outcasts let's see what happens yeah and it's and it's really interesting you know because like you said she's she's obviously been 12 for god knows how long i don't think we ever really like find out um in the film kind of the final like amount of time but i guess you know with vampires we presume it could be anywhere like up to a thousand years who knows and i found it really interesting you know the scene where he she's never seen a rubik's cube before or so she tells oscar she's never seen a rubik's cube before and he obviously shows her how to do it and i think the first time i watched it i was like oh she's just obviously really intelligent that she finished it off so quickly but then you know because I was like but she's still a child like you said the appearance aspect but then when you think about it's like she's she's probably done a Rubik's Cube god knows how many times in her life but obviously if she if she mentions that to Oscar he's going to immediately kind of question it however I think a lot of her behaviours he actually he doesn't question it he approaches it almost you know again like a child would by just accepting it how it is yeah i think it it doesn't make me laugh with oscar though sometimes as as innocent and childlike as he is sometimes he kind of gives off that old soul vibe as well which is i think one of the reasons that him and Ely like bond so kind of tightly and so closely in such a small amount of time is because she almost senses that in him and knows that this is someone who Although he's going to approach things with childlike innocence, I think she can confide those darker things in him. And yeah. he's still going to have the old soul kind of maturity to take it on and almost adapt his behaviour to suit what will work for her. I mean, the, the way that he kind of realises that when, you know, when she's in the doorway and mm. says, like, I can't, I can't come in unless you invite me in. Yeah. And he challenges that, sees the, the repercussions of everything that happens, um, and instantly is changing his behaviour. And obviously, it, at the forefront, it seems quite childish and quite upsetting for him. He's like, no, 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 like, I didn't want this to happen to you because of all the... I'm sure we'll go into this a little more later, but all of the kind of um, gore, I guess, that happens at that yeah. point. Um, but at the same time, I feel like his maturity comes as well in that moment because he's wanting to protect her, he's wanting to care for her, he wants to make sure that she's okay. And yeah, I think I think it just kind of shows the multiple levels of each character. It's quite nice. Yeah, they're uh, they're really like layered characters. I think that's one of the things that I I personally love so much about this film is like they feel very very well fleshed out, well thought out as characters. It doesn't feel I think with a film like this, you know, it'd be quite easy to 
have these characters without what feels like a real kind of understanding of who they are and making them feel seen throughout the film like because they are so young it's like oh well it's so easy to portray like young um characters without much personality because you know what have they seen of the world but like you said obviously Eli, she's she's of course she has seen the world hence her behavior but you're right you're absolutely right when you said you know oscar is a bit of an older older soul and i think that talks to the point that he's he's very mature in his approach to some of the the big themes that come out through the film which obviously and i'm sure you can talk a bit more about in the book because i know the book touches on it much more um but is this aspect of queerness and um transgender that plays heavily in here and there's so many scenes where you know based on ellie's appearance we produce uh, presume that she is a she you know it's just kind of like but my when i was watching it again with my boyfriend you know he actually went he went is it is it a girl or is it a, a boy and then you know the, that question crops up throughout the film so many times and i really love it that oscar never really seems to be bothered by it it does kind of come up he called he asks if she's a girl they browse around the topic a few times but you know um he is always quite accepting of the fact that she never gives him really a straight answer on what she is he's like okay it's fine i like you as you are yeah i completely agree i mean so in relation to the book um the details are basically that Ely was originally a boy mm. um when when Illy identified as a boy, their name was um, Elias. But when they became a vampire, they were castrated. So it's like a whole this whole kind of thing that it addresses mm. in the book about. I mean, it goes into further detail than than the film does about kind of Oscar accepting her as she is, the yeah. fact that she identifies in this female form now because it's what people expect of her because she's never going to really reach that kind of age where it's going to matter. Because obviously, you know, when you're, you know, when you're like preteen and you've kind of got that genderless vibe about you, Absolutely. Regardless, of, regardless of whether you identify as male or female, yes, yeah. your bodies are all very similar. Um, like no one's voices have dropped yet. Like girls haven't started growing curves. There's no identifiers really at that age, unless yeah. you identify by your clothing by your name or even the length of your hair sometimes like it really it really at that age it really doesn't matter um but yeah so I, I i think even though they don't go into it as specifically in the film the way that it's addressed is i keep, I keep going back to the word mature it is, it is quite a mature way to approach it really because yeah like Ely asks what if i wasn't a girl oscar says i don't care um, there's the fact that there's like a couple of hints that Ely is perhaps like biologically originally female in terms of uh, the fact that her voice is slightly deeper when she gets angry yeah. and things like that. And there's also the really, really quick shot when Oscar sneaks a glance at her getting changed yeah. and you see, and you see kind of, I mean, the only way I can really describe it is you see her anatomy and you see yeah. that it's very 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 short shot i mean it's like a link and you'll miss it kind of thing but you see that perhaps her kind of anatomy in terms of how she identifies is maybe a bit different to what oscar would have expected or is different to the implications that were, that were given by the way that she dresses and things like that it's it, i think they, they they approached it in quite quite a good way i would say yeah i think i think their way was um I think it's very subtle um and you know i think i guess i think in a book obviously you need that backstory because you probably haven't got as many subtle visual cues because of course it's it's words on paper so it makes sense and i think you know for for a story whilst i haven't read the book i think you know a lot of of storytelling does come through those kind of extra details which you need whereas you, you know as you said with the film it's those very very small 
parts which like you said if you blink you can miss some of them very very easily and I think you can even you know when she does kind of say well what if I wasn't a girl or I'm not a girl I'm not a boy I think because you know she is a vampire I think you can't be going oh well, she's referring to the fact she's a vampire she's not a boy or a girl because she's a vampire so that's kind of you know where your mind easily goes I think it's easy to not even think about you know identifying a certain way or one another because like you said at that age as well it's not really it's not at the forefront of your mind you know you look at um kids that age and you know they are as you said they are genderless they're not they're not fully formed into what we you know categorize as certain genders and I think you know even that scene you mentioned which of course is is one of the kind of like big reveal scenes which it's not though because it's as you said again literally you could miss it within a second and and my boyfriend when we watched it he uh he went oh he was like oh that was a bit weird to show he was like are they allowed to show <laughs> that because he was like i don't know how old these kids yep. are and i was like fair enough and he didn't even pick up on the fact that it was a scar he was like oh i just i just thought it was like hair or something he was like i didn't really see it so again like you said so subtle but i think works really well with thinking like the entirety of the film is quite like the pacing is quite slow everything feels a little bit less over the top than you'd expect from like a vampire movie and i mean it's definitely a a slow burner yeah. in terms of the pacing and the atmosphere but then i that's kind of one of the reasons that i love it so much because usually you see vampires you think action you think yeah like someone being like either seduced and like really like gory dying or like i mean if you, if you go into kind of like i said the action version you've got you've got stuff like van helsing and, and things like that that <laughs> yeah. side of it as well where like it's just like the big bag monster and then there's van helsing like slaying them and it's all like oh so exciting whereas this approaches it from a far more dramatic kind of point of view and you are focusing on the narrative between the characters and you're focusing on the storyline itself and it doesn't have to be like bam bam his gore his blood his craziness like it's just when that stuff happens it's, it's almost more shocking because of how much it builds up and the tensions there and you yeah. just you don't know what quarter it's going to turn next but in a very kind of calm almost predatory creepy kind of way like a lot of a lot of this film really kind of creeps up on you and then something happens and you're taken aback and you're a bit like oh god i never saw that coming yeah well because it's it's almost like like you said you know it is it's very creepy it's very unsettling and i think you know the film does a really good job at bringing like a, a sense of humanity to vampires it's so easy to get wrapped up in the fact that you know they're blood drinkers they are demons monsters you know they're the they're the bad guys you know the ones that we need to to get rid of and actually you know i've always found that like vampirism is is quite sad in a way it's you know often people are turned into vampires against their will at an age as we see with uh, Eli, at, at an age where they don't want to stay that age forever, they're kind of locked into this stage. And actually, you know, even making these relationships for them, it's it's a tiny chapter of their life. So they are, you know, they're heartbreaking love stories that when they fall in love, it's not going to last forever, which... I think brings me on to another character in this film that I really never picked up on the first time I watched it and the second time I was like oh shit I was like how did I miss this is um Hacken I'm not sure how you say it but we'll, we'll go with that which is um Eli's I keep I keep saying Eli Ellie's uh like well familiar or life partner or she refers to him as dad but i'm pretty sure he's not her dad what what were your thoughts on this character because like i think there's so much depth there so i so i actually had to end up googling how to pronounce his name because i i've, I've heard it said so many different ways <laughs> um like every every time i speak to every time i speak to someone about this this film everyone's always like yeah his name's Hakan or Harkan, but 
apparently apparently according to the Swedish pronunciation it's Hawken. Hawken. Which I was like, oh yeah, Hawken. I was like, oh okay, like 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 a hawk. Okay. So I was like, okay, cool. Um but yeah, basically he oh he's he's such a complex character. He really stresses mm. me out twist. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, and I keep going back to the book, but it's just for the comparison, it drives me absolutely mad. He in the book, he is actually a disgraced teacher who was fired because he um was found with child porn. Oh fuck. So it's like a whole thing and it's implied that he took on being Illy's kind of hunter, partner, familiar, whatever you want to do, because of the fact she will never age. And it's like oh. that horrible, twisted relationship between the two of them where she is clearly using him yeah. because of the fact that he is completely enamoured by her, would do anything for her, will stay with by her side forever. Right. Whereas in the film version, he... I mean, I don't want to say it's sweet because obviously he's murdering people, but it, like his relationship with her there is a lot more of a kind of paternal but at the same time you can see the tension possibly by a different type of love there as well and it's a bit confusing yeah and she is very much manipulating him a lot but he is also definitely in it for certain things that are a bit questionable um and i think the fact that you see him mess up and you see him like at this point in his life where he's too old he's too tired for this shit anymore like he is <laughs> he is so done yeah. like, it's when it's when they it's when they like when he's um first slicing someone's throat in the trees like the first time you see him murder someone like really really early on in the film yeah and the dog turns up and he basically tells this dog to piss off and then, <laughs> then sees that there's people coming and he just panics and he's just like, I don't know what to do and just kicks over the bucket and then just runs. And you're like, dude, you've been doing this for so long. You should know, like, not to do this in the open. You should know not to do this in public. Like, find a quiet spot. He's... And don't he's like literally there's cars passing behind him i'm like surely there was somewhere else you could fucking do that like yeah <laughs> like he's like he is definitely just given up in terms of his game like he mm. he is not he's not in it anymore he he knows that early is getting tired of him as well because of how she's acting around him and yeah i think yeah i think the jesse as well that he feels when she gets closer to oscar and like when yeah. they're morse coding through the wall and you can see the look on his face and he begs her not to spend time with him and like just spend the night with him and yeah it's oh it's so complex but at the same time i feel i feel sympathy for him but at the same time because of the book and because the the background from that i'm like no can't i can't feel sympathy too much for this guy <laughs> even though it's a different rendition of him i'm like i, I can't do this See, now now that you've told me the backstory from the book, I'm like, okay, fuck Hawken, like, we don't like him. Yeah. But I no. guess what I thought, like, and this is obviously not now in the book at all, which takes completely different thing. I almost thought that perhaps it might have been a similar story that she met Hawken when he was young as well. And he, they fell in love very, pretty much like, like for like stories uh her and oscar have and he's just been by her side ever since that as a you know a tragic she'll never grow old but i'll stay with her anyway and help feed her and look after her and you know die for her by one of the most horrific you know acts ever um burning your own face off with acid and then letting her you know drink your blood and throw you out the window i mean it's quite it's quite a dedication um and i thought that and then you know that was kind of where i was going was that maybe you know that was what she did was for her life she kind of just moved from you know what is a a life partner a, you know human life partner and met them as a young child and then they kind of grew with her but then at some point like you said they do obviously grow tired of that shit and go i am giving up but now having known the book it also does make a lot of sense at the way he behaved because he does you know he is clearly quite possessive but at the same time a little bit 
I don't know, like, beholden to her, isn't he? Which is, it's wrong. Yeah, there's, like, there's like that weird level of, like, almost worship that he has yeah. for her. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I think the relationship between her and Oscar is a little bit more equal. Like, Absolutely. As much as he is probably going to go into that role, like, at some point, he is probably going to end up being the new Hawken. At the same time, I think it's almost like a level pegging in terms of, like, who who holds all the cards i guess because yeah she he doesn't just he doesn't see her as this like magical amazing thing he sees her as someone that is on her, his level and someone that he, that she can well someone that they can really confide in i guess to each other um yeah hawken is difficult <laughs> but no if you if you do take it kind of from the from the way that you you explained i think it almost it does make it sweeter. Like it's it's a nicer kind of narrative to go by. And I think the fact that the the film leaves it that open means you can interpret it in kind of whichever yeah. way you, you want to do. Um but yeah, his his death, oh my word. Like obviously he knows he's a lost cause, but the, <laughs> the, the pure dedication to throw acid on your own face, like I'm I'm a massive wimp. Like if I like if I was in that situation, I'd be like, hands up, arrest me. I'm so sorry. Like just go to jail. I'm not gonna be able to kill myself. <laughs> I can't do that. Like acid to the face, no thank you. Yeah, it's um and again, like I, I really like the way that they approach a lot of the kind of like gorier scenes because there's not there's not really that much gore in this film um which you know as someone that is a a, you know self-proclaimed gore fan i am going to go out and say i i don't think a film like this actually needs more but the the small bits of gore it has in it they're quite like they're quite dark so obviously you've got like that acid the face acid scene which when you have the reveal of of his face i did I did audibly go, oh fuck, that's bad. It's the fact it's the fact you do it in the window first. Yeah. And you see so as he looks at her and you see the reflection in you in the window, and it's almost like you almost think for a second, oh, it must be like skewed from the reflection, maybe it's not quite as bad as it looks. And then yeah. he fully turns around and you're like, Oh shit. <laughs> like that is that is not that's not good. That's not good. Yeah, I mean it's I mean, I don't know what else you, you know, I don't know what I was expecting Acid to do, but, I you know, I didn't think it would be, that, like, awful, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he was, like, he went, like, full Two-Face kind of yes. damage. Like, it was very, very, like, aggressively attacking one side of his face. And oh, it, it threw me. The first, I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, oh, oh, no, that this is not the kind of film I thought I was watching. I know, I know there was blood, but I didn't know there was going to be, like, damage like that. That's, that, like, uh, yeah, I felt bad. I felt bad for being so freaked out by it. But I couldn't stop myself. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that, that scene is, I think that's probably one of the, like, nastiest in there um Mm -hmm. then there's obviously kind of like that that scene that you mentioned about in the woods which happens very very close to the beginning of the movie um and it's not the goriest but i think it's quite gruesome watching you know someone slaughtered i guess with their throat slit collecting the blood it's quite a i think it's quite a nauseating approach to you know collecting blood i guess for vampires you often just expect like we know what to expect it's like mouth on neck bit of blood around the mouth you know whereas that it's like the draining of the blood was i don't know i find that quite like gross and then um towards the end and i guess you know coming towards the end of the film we've got that scene where um so the bullies who we can we can go back to in a minute the bullies are i guess ripped to pieces and we've got a lot of limbs going here then over and everywhere but other than that i guess it's just kind of like bits of blood you know like there's not that much kind of like gore and even some of the murder scenes um are not really like you don't see much they're in the dark they're in the shadows it's quite subtle again yeah i think i think because of the subtlety of those kind of gory scenes it almost makes them even more impactful for me like mm. going to going back to that pool scene 
the fact that you see everything happen under the water, like you're under that water with Oscar as his text being held by the older brother's like arm, and you just everything is almost in the background, and like you see Oscar struggling, you see him losing his breath. And then all of a sudden, this body just goes flying past him. And you're just like, wait, what was that? And then yeah. all of a sudden, like, an, uh, the arm that was holding him just floats down. And you're just like, oh, okay, so he's gone. <laughs> and then by the time Oscar comes back up, it is just a murder scene. Like, everyone is, well, apart from that one bully, everyone is dead. Um, and then there's just that poor little kid who is probably the bully who did the least to be honest he is just ha- like hands over his face bawling his eyes out because he's just seen his friends get horribly murdered don't i i mean i find it i re- i like i mean like maybe not but i like the depiction of bullying in this film i think it feels like very real that you've got this ringleader and you've got these two poor other kids that are just dragged along by connie um and they're just doing anything he said. And so many times throughout the film, you see those other two and they do not want to be bullying Oscar. They're like, well, do we have to? Can we go? And even at the end, you know, when they when they get Oscar in the pool and you've got Connie's older brother um, taking him in, you know, he's obviously upset because Oscar uh, hurt Connie's ear, smashed him around the head, which too, right? But, you know, both of the boys are like, can we go home now? Don't want to do it. And like you said, the poor, the poor blonde kid, the whole way through the film, he looks visibly upset at what he's doing. But it's like, and the thing with bullying, isn't it, is, you know, there's always one person that is the bully and the other people just do it because they don't want to be Oscar. They don't want to get picked on. And I found, like, the makeup of the bullies was quite realistic because I think in a lot of horror films, it's just, like, everyone's an arsehole. Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> I mean, let's just say all I want to do in this, this... All the way through this film is slap Connie. Like, just <laughs> upside the head. Just stop being a little shit. Like, you're being an arsehole. Everyone else is uncomfortable by this situation. Stop. <laughs> also like when when you look at when you look at the dynamic of the bullies like you said like the, the other two don't really want to do it they don't want to be there but the um I, I can't remember his name but the tall skinny kid who's in the bully group with the curly hair the one who kind of persuades oscar to come to the pool on that day where connie's brother's going to be there yeah i i mean obviously no one deserves to be murdered but in the context of this film i think that kid definitely got what he deserved because as much as he didn't want to really be doing the bullying he was the reason that Oscar ended up there he was the reason that all of it started kicking off and yeah. as much as he kind of started so making friends with Oscar you can see that that dynamic was never going to happen because of the power that Connie had over the group overall um but also slightly going back to Connie if you look at him properly I think you can kind of understand how he's turned out the way that he is as well yeah. because when his brother's first introduced, you see him like walk up and be the big I am. And he almost very subtly bullies Connie himself and yeah. like like smacks him around a little bit. And there's a bit kind of, I'm all that with, with him. So Connie's almost kind of learning by repeating exactly what his brother's like. So it, it almost questions like the nature versus nurture thing of like, has Connie ended up the way that he did because he's watched that, that within his own family or is he just a little asshole that needed to be ripped to shreds by Ely? <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, I mean, he could be a little asshole, to be honest. But I think, I think actually, you know, and you are, I know you want to talk about because you mentioned it at the beginning. But thinking about like parents and family is that they're not overly present in this film. But their presence is really kind of like relevant to these children it's clear that they're all from homes where they're not they've not really got the most nurturing family presence or they're a little bit kind of left to their own devices which means they're you know obviously feeling a little bit left out lonely and I think you know talking about kind of Connie and his brother I think one thing for me is I noticed that Connie had like he's got like quite dark bags under his eyes and they look a bit bloodshot and it's like you never know like 
if you look at a lot of bullying and you look at like even serial killers to an extent a lot of them are brought up in homes where they're being you know abused sexually violently and we don't know whether that's the case for connie and his brother hence why their behavior is so horrific and both of them are exhibiting it and then you've kind of obviously got oscar and like you said his mum actually seems like a pretty decent you know person but she's she's obviously perhaps a little bit absent she's a single mum she's working really hard of course she's not going to be around all the time and then we see his dad which i found really interesting because I don't know whether it was just how I read it, but I read it implied that his dad is, um, his dad's gay. You know, we get, when he goes over for dinner, he introduces him to a friend and it all seems like a little bit uncomfortable, not from Oscar's perspective, but the dad seems a bit uncomfortable with the fact that he's got like his partner there who's trying to interact with Oscar. And in a way, it's almost like his dad's kind of, try to shut off the family, step away because of probably this, the breakdown between the parents. But actually, I think it's given Oscar perhaps a more open view, hence why when, you know, Ellie says, oh, I'm not boy or girl, there's, you know, there's no like, oh, that's weird, because I think he must know something about his dad. So it's interesting you said that, because I also picked up on that, but I thought it was just me kind of queer coding because <laughs> I tend to do that quite a lot in horror films I'm always like oh who's gay who can I relate to <laughs> like I love it like, any any chance that I get in films well, especially horror films to like queer code characters and be like okay so this person relates to the sexuality of this and I, re- I always read far too far into it and people always tell me to simmer down but in this version yes 100% I also think that the the kind of implications of Oscar's mm. dad being gay is, are definitely there and the discomfort that he has when his potential partner walks in the room and Oscar is definitely picking up on this yeah. he's not he's not a dumb kid like he knows there's something odd going yeah. on that hasn't been told to him um but yeah no I think Oscar's parents overall I just I do just feel so bad for his mum like she is trying so hard and you can see she's trying so hard like when he gets in trouble at school like she's trying to discipline him and she knows that she's not there and she knows that he is maybe getting a bit out of control so then tries to obviously bring his dad into it as well and his dad's like i don't care basically on the phone you don't even hear his dad side of the conversation with oscar it's you just see from oscar's response of like yeah we can do that over the weekend that's fine and they just start talking like it's a normal thing yeah and that he hasn't just sacked connie around the face with a pole <laughs> like if if i had a child and my child did that i'd be like hang on let's let's <laughs> sit down with a therapist and work out why you are hitting other children with a stick like that's not okay yeah. um so yeah, I, I do just, I really empathise with her frustrations in the fact that she definitely doesn't have control over her child. She's trying her hardest. And then here's this absent father who has definitely just floated off into what looks like our said nowhere. And <laughs> yeah. like now has his like alcoholic life where he gets the chance basically to be the fun parent whenever Oscar rocks up. Um, and it's almost like he's trying to make up for all this abandonment and everything, but then is closing off that side of his life that he doesn't want Oscar involved in in terms of like maybe having another partner or maybe doing a little bit too much and uh, I just I think parents in this film in general are just very much not considered (laughs) yeah they're not considered and um I guess that's why you know we see the the kids kind of they do they do do what what they want to do to an extent and I don't know I mean I guess in Oscar's case I don't know whether it's because he's seeing his dad you know perhaps treat his mum with such disregard and you know complete like well whatever you know kind of just push her to the side that Oscar almost adopts that as well because you know you as you mentioned at the beginning like none of the kids in this film seem to give a shit about their their parents at all but we do see that the parents do give a shit about their kids and it's interesting because you know so many times in like media and film it's always like the parents just don't give a shit at all they're not doing anything they're not trying to help whereas in this actually it's quite the opposite and you know you've even got that group of um kind of like locals 
who you know they're often talking about what's happening in the neighborhood they bring up like the kids like it's quite clear that there are adults in this story that are keen on looking after you know kids the safety of the children they're worried about the murders going on and the kids are like ah, fuck it I'm, I'm going out in the middle of the night even though you've told me there's murderers out there like, it's yeah. yeah they're quite disrespectful <laughs> They really are. They really are. Come on, guys, respect your elders. Like, <laughs> have, have a little bit of awareness. They're trying to help you. But um, I do, I do feel like that's kind of a horror trope, though, very often, is, like, the absent parent. Like, you see in, like, the classic kind of slasher films as well, where, like, the kids are just kind of left to their own devices and the parents are like, bye. But then <laughs> in, in this, it is just like a full 180. Like, adults in this film are actively being like, guys, what the hell? Oh, like, there's a murderer, like watch watch yourselves don't go out at night on your own and then all the kids are just like la, 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 let's go out out in the dark like hanging like hanging out in really very very quiet areas as well not very populated um and then yeah I, I do feel quite bad for what happens to a group of adults that are trying to help I guess and trying to work out what the hell is going on in their local community because that poor woman getting turned into a vampire by Ely, and then she's just like, do you know what? No, I'm not doing this. She's, she has almost like an awareness of what's going on, but without really vocalising it. She's just like, mm. ah, what's going on? I'm going to set myself on fire by opening a blind. I find... She, Go on. She is just like a one out. Like, she is like fully yeah. tapping out of this. <laughs> this is not the bullshit I signed up for. Please, can you open up my bed? And that poor attendant, oh my God, when he comes to the bed and is like, oh, is there anything I can do for you? La, la, la. And she's like, oh, just open, open the blind. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he is another adult that is not regarded in his feelings. <laughs> that poor nurse. <laughs> yeah, that is... Do you know what? I found... I find her death in this film so, like... It's pretty devastating, like, what happened to her. Like you said, she, she never once says to anyone, oh... I think I'm a vampire, like, something bad's going on. She clearly knows she's not all right because you've got, like, the extreme, like, hunger. And I was thinking, I was like, can you imagine how shit it would be to wake up and you're suddenly, like, ravenous, like, absolutely starving and all you want is blood? You would be like, what the fuck is going on? You go out for a little sunbathe, you're like, I'm on fire. Like... <laughs> It, you, I mean, all the things that, like, you don't want to happen to you, you'd be like, what the fuck is happening? So I get why she kind of just goes, nah, this ain't for me. Like, let's get... And before the fire scene, also, I just want to touch on, because I think this is probably the one scene in the film I don't love, um, is the cat attack. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to say this. <laughs> so it's, like, I mean... As if that poor woman hasn't got enough to deal with, she then just gets attacked by a room of cats. Which, although full credit to the film for having a crazy cat man in the cast, like yes, as, I, I thoroughly enjoy the fact that there is a little crazy cat man who's like a really socially awkward and just has this whole house full of cats. Um, but yeah, the fact that she gets absolutely like torn apart by all of these cats, <laughs> but she she really doesn't have much luck after attacks her to be honest like no although i so i was trying to look into this as to like why the hell all the cats would act like this yeah the only reason that i can think of or the only reason that i could kind of find doing a bit of research was they were maybe relating it back to like egyptian legends the fact Mm. that cats were guardians of the underworld Maybe they sense that the vampires are a bit undead and it's unnatural and that's why they're defensive. Or it could just be that they see her as a predator and it's absolutely terrifying and they go, do you know what, fuck this, we're going to attack you before you attack us. (laughs) Either way. (laughs) It's just very unfortunate. Yeah, I I tried to um I tried to have a look into the cat thing as as well. Um, I did put a call out on on Twitter, but didn't seem to get much, too much luck on it because I was trying to look into whether because obviously we're, we're talking about like vampire folklore this month. Um, and I started having a look into like the different kind of va- like vampire myth mythology for different countries because it varies kind of where you go i mean obviously you've got like your standard ones um about being invited in hence the title of the film think that goes kind mm-hmm. of worldwide 
you know, the sunlight, um, the need to drink blood. We've got all of those concepts that are very to the point. But the cats was the only kind of thing that stood out. And I read, I mean, I ended up on some weird reddit thread i saw the one that you're talking about on there and then i also saw people saying and i thought it didn't really make sense though saying things like oh maybe once upon a time um a vampire thought that a cat was a werewolf and attacked it and i was like wouldn't it make more sense if it was a dog and people had some right on mental theories out there. But I also was like, it could just be cats being arseholes, which they do on a daily well, basis. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like I feel like fellow ghoul Rebecca would be very sad if we were calling cats assholes. But it's it's true, they can be complete assholes. Like if a cat doesn't like you, they'd as well tell you. Whereas <laughs> I think I think dogs are a little bit more kind of, I'll just leave the room. Cats are like, no, fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, no, no, we're not just letting a vampire walk out of here and have a good time. Like, we're going to attack the shit out of it. Like, absolutely. But yeah, that cat bit, I think it was just some of the CGI cat faces. I was like, what what is that mess of a face? (laughs) But... There was was two two bits in this film that haven't aged well, and that's the CGI cat faces. Yeah. And there's a scene, I think... I think it's the scene where Hawkins trying to get rid of a body bit in the ice. Like obviously yes. that later gets discovered. But it is so clearly a mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> he drags this thing across the ice and there's like this plastic arm just hanging out. <laughs> and I was like, is this intentional? Like, did you did you film this to be slightly comedic? Because all I can see is this plastic arm. And it's it's so surprising because the rest of it, like the gore and like the, the kind of the aggression like within the special effects is like so good the rest of it but yeah cgi cat faces and plastic mannequin being disposed of not not the one <laughs> i guess um i guess of i guess like a film of this caliber we can allow it to have a couple of of minor faults and i feel like they probably maybe maybe they'd spent the budget on like because, you know, there's clearly, like, a bit of a budget behind this film. So maybe they'd spent and gone, oh, let's leave the mannequin arm in and then let's add some dodgy cats. But um, (laughs) we're going to wrap up in a minute. Um, I mean, I feel like we could probably talk, like, for days about this film, to be honest. But, you know, as as all things must come to an end, um, I want to quickly ask you, I haven't seen it. Have you seen the American remake? I have. Um, I've only seen it once, and I will not be watching it again. Oh no! Um, it's 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 the curse of it's the curse of the American remakes. It's one of those things yeah. where they take something that is so good in its pure original form, and then just kind of shit all over it. It's like it's <laughs> the, the best way I can describe it is it's like. Did you ever see the American remake of Old Boy? Yes. i I only like it because i have a huge crush on josh brolin so okay that's the that i was like i'm watching it for one reason only and it's josh brolin i can i can accept that to be fair he's he's a nice looking man but it's like it's one of those it's one of those things where they've taken out all of the elements that Mm. made the story unique yeah just made it another schlocky vampire love story like it's just it doesn't have any of the unique traits in it and like like they completely seem to disregard you know we were talking about the whole kind of queer backstory and everything like that yeah there's no stuff in that at all like everything is is gone um chloe grace moretz plays the vampire in it yeah uh i can't remember what her name is in in the other version i think it's abby maybe so like the, the names are completely different. She is just her. I um, hate her as an actress. I find her lifeless. I, there's a couple of things that I like her in. Like I like her in um, Kick Ass, but that's mainly just because that film's a, a, a bit of good fun for me. Yeah. But like, I'm just like she doesn't bring anything to this film at all. And like, mm. it's the American remake is directed by Matt Reeves as well, who. I don't have any problem with. I quite enjoyed his new version of Batman. I quite enjoy Cloverfield. There's a few things with his name that I'm like, yeah, fair play. Yeah. Like, you did well there. Um, but yeah, it just simply wasn't as good as the original. 
Like, if you're going to watch a good film, just watch the original. Yeah, exactly. The only the only positive thing I would give is I appreciate that they turn the story around a little bit and actually start with uh, Hawkins' death. So, ah, okay. The like the whole thing of him killing himself at the hospital. I mean, there's a lot of different bits in the plot line that lead to that, but they actually start with that scene, and um, it gave it a little bit of variation. I started watching it. I was like, okay. Alright, let's start in here. Let's see how this goes. And then it just went downhill. It just was not it was not the one. It was definitely not the one. <laughs> well, then I am not gonna do you know what? I'm not even gonna waste time with it because I absolutely adore let the right one in like like i said i hadn't seen it since the first time i'd watched it but i i was like i remember it as a film that like the first time i watched it i was like this is like we need more vampire films like this that just touch you in the right places and i love the aspect that it touches on you know so many different themes including like queerness um and you know transgender as well like i think it's a really like important piece of filmmaking um would you i guess then would you kind of like recommend where would you recommend people start book film like how would you recommend people that if someone listening hasn't seen this which if they haven't we've just spoiled the whole thing for them but if they hadn't like (laughs) how would you suggest that they like approach it i think to be honest i think it's actually a good idea to stick them as two separate entities so i would depending on kind of what media you engage with the most i would start with evil so if you are a bookworm start with the book if you are fully visual you love like your horror films start with the film i think as much as I've compared them as we've been chatting, it's a good idea to separate them into mm-hmm. their own individual pieces of work because they each have their own elements that are appealing. Yeah. I mean, if, if, you, if you do just want like a two hour, like here's a, here's a love story, here's some vampires, shit goes crazy, watch the film. But if you do have a bit more time to kind of divulge yourself mm. in the world, the book's the one. Okay, well, I've I've already added um, the book to my Amazon wish list, and also Dude. I mean, I've got like literally fifty books sat here, which I'm like, I need to stop buying them, and stop reading them. But you know, there's always time for another one. Well, thank you, Iona, for speaking um, about let the right one in because I'm I'm glad like we got to speak about this because I don't I don't feel like it's an underappreciated film, so hopefully it's gonna. Oh, get more people watching it so before you go um where can everyone find you so i very funnily write for a cool little magazine called ghouls mag um so i i do some reviews for you guys sometimes i do some lists for you guys sometimes so yes that's basically where you can find me or on socials if you want to find me i am full underscore out underscore Iona because I am a massive emo nerd from the early noughties <laughs> and definitely have the production of Fallout Boy still. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much where everyone can find me. Amazing. Thank you so much. I will put all of the links and everything in um the I think people say show notes or comments or wherever <laughs> it goes somewhere um so that everyone can make sure that they follow you and check out all your writing as well because yes we're very lucky to have you at Ghouls magazine oh, so <laughs> thank you so much Iona and I will speak to you soon yeah thanks so speak to you soon A huge, huge thank you to Iona for coming on the podcast today and being part of this awesome discussion about Let the Right One In. I hope you have to joy to wow can't speak i hope you have enjoyed today's episode of the ghouls gang podcast don't forget to shout about it on social media and let people know that you are loving it also head over to ghoulsmagazine.com for more of your regular spooky content and your member only articles and recordings your support means the world to us and thank you so so much for helping to keep us alive i've been your host zoe keep it ghoulish